So sometimes when I step back and look at our faith, my faith, I have to admit that on the face of it, Christianity can seem like a really weird religion. Christianity, a religion whose biggest proclamation is of how we are saved, how we become whole, how God is with us in the world, that's all built around death. Death, not having the last word. Death, the great enemy conquered by Jesus. Death, instead, as a doorway into new life. So Christianity, this whole religion built around crucifixion of the one who saves us and is raised from the dead, that can be a hard thing to wrap one's mind about. I mean, so many of us are sitting here. It's All Saints Sunday, and we're going to remember in our prayers people we love who've died. There's weeping in our hearts. How All Saints Day, this could be considered the epicenter of our relationship with the dead as Christians. And this prayer we'll be reading will include the names of people who've died, parents, grandparents, spouses, sweethearts, siblings, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, children, even infants of people we've loved. Our list has friends, mentors, colleagues, and neighbors. List of people who've loved us who've inspired us, who've walked through life with us. And then there's an additional list for you to pray with at home. People whose deaths from years before still resonate deeply with people among us. So this is All Saints Day, and it is a day when we ache that loss. But as Christians, it's also a day of celebration. And it's a day of joy of hope. Because today we uphold that nothing, not even death, can separate us from the love of God. In the words of Paul's letter to the Romans, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So today, All Saints Sunday, we go into the heart of this great mystery. Death, something we weep over, yet something which, to which Jesus brings new life. And we just read John's gospel account of Jesus raising Lazarus, his friend Lazarus, from the dead. Now, this is the last in a series of signs in John's gospel that point towards Jesus as Messiah. And people, they've seen Jesus heal miraculously. Followers are starting to believe in him. Some are even worshiping him. And in the section before what we read, the people send for Jesus to come back because his friend Lazarus is on his deathbed. But Jesus doesn't come. 
He chooses not to return right away. So then several days later when Jesus does show up, people are upset. Mary, who's Lazarus' sister, in the first line of today's gospel says, Lord, if you had been here, he would not have died. And then some of the crowd who were also mourning, they're perplexed. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Their conception of the power of Jesus was limited by an understanding of God that is, was smaller than the enormity of God, who God is and who Jesus was about to reveal God is. Jesus can heal, but who then would have conceived of resurrection? And even when Jesus asks Lazarus's other sister, Martha, to roll the stone away from the cave where he's, Lazarus is buried, she hesitates. She says, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. The King James puts it a little more bluntly. He stinketh. <laughs> Before Jesus raises Lazarus, he invites Martha and the crowd to think bigger, to believe bigger. For if you do, he says, you would see the glory of God. The glory of God revealed in resurrection, in conquering death and bringing new life out of death. This is the glory of God that's an invitation to think bigger, to not think of death as the end. For it was not the end for Jesus. He did not succumb to injustice. He did not succumb to being brutally murdered in a painful death. He didn't succumb to death, the enemy of life. He rose again, and he's with us now. No matter what the pain, no matter what the suffering, Jesus is with us now. So the broader invitation today on All Saints Sunday is to celebrate that the centuries of those who have died before us are also with us. I went to Italy when I was in my 20s, <clears throat> and I remember seeing this blur of stained glass people lining walls in cathedral after cathedral and church after church. Now, we were hunting real art, paintings and sculptures by Michelangelo, the Caravaggios, Donatellos, Raphaels. The glass, totally boring. And they all kind of looked the same. Until one of my friends pulled out a guide and told us that the glass fa faces were actually different saints and that each saint had an object which identified them. So we started playing, find that object, name that saint. Now it became totally fun. Hey, there's a dragon, St. George. A candle, St. Genevieve, who knew? An organ, music people? Cecilia, yes. <laughs> then we started noticing that most of the objects were tied to how the saint was martyred. A wheel, St. Catherine. Eyeballs, 
St. Lucy, Cleaver in the Skull, St. Peter the Martyr of Milan. Totally gruesome, but for 20-something-year-old me, totally engrossing. Saints, objects, murders. And then it started to dawn on us that this blur of saints was actually a cloak of human suffering. And I dare any of you to ask any of you to spend any amount of time in European cathedrals, English churches, to find a form of death that's not depicted. In Christ, we're connected to all these saints, and we are wrapped in their cloak of suffering. But it's also a cloak of strength. It's also a cloak of witness to God's love. Because each one of the saints, memorialized in those windows, was upheld through their suffering by Jesus and by God. Each one of them is with us now beyond time. And there's so many more countless, nameless foremothers and forefathers who are saints, who we consider saints in the Episcopal Church. Not just the ones who suffered, nameless ones who gave up of themselves to build up our world, to spread goodness and to spread love, to make it possible for us to do the same. We only have one saint window here, which is St. Augustine over here, and if you want to play a game, you can go find St. Monica in there, his mommy. And we have this gorgeous Jesus window, the beautiful Holy Spirit window, all for the benefit of our worship. And all here, this whole sanctuary here, thanks to the saints, some of whom are still alive, who built this church in the 1960s after the original St. Augustine's burnt down. And we worship here thanks to all the nameless saints who founded our parish in the 1870s and built that beautiful old church in the 1880s. The windows on the sides here, on this side, depict baptism, healing, education, and more. And just think about the saints through time connected to baptism, all those who've been baptized, all those who've been healed. I look at this medical chunk over here which ends in an image, a stained glass image of an operating table. I don't know about many other churches that have operating tables and stained glass, (laughs) but that window reminds me of all the saints who have given to medicine and made it possible for me to be alive. We are all saints. And today, some of you, most of you, it looks like, yay, are wearing name tags. So we can get to know the saints, each other's in our pews, if, you know, the people that maybe you've been sitting next to for a long time and are embarrassed you don't know the name. So I invite you in the peace, if you don't have a name tag, to pop to the back and give your neighbors a gift of knowing who you are. So this is All Saints Sunday where we're declaring that any form of suffering, any form of death, 
can't break the power of love that upholds us. We declare ourselves as one with the living saints. Now, this isn't an easy thing to do because we are living in tough times. Just this last week and in the last month, we've been face to face with the murderous power of racism, the murderous power of anti-Semitism. We've seen brutal abuse of women come to light, and we're witnessing the abuse and the denial of the dignity, the human dignity of immigrants and refugees. And we have a tough election on Tuesday. But here on All Saints Sunday, we proclaim that we stand with the saints of all time who have suffered, and that Jesus stands with us in all these places, in our personal lives, our national life, and worldly life, all the places that stinketh. Jesus calls us to new life in the same way he told Martha to roll back the stone and commanded Lazarus to come out. This was a bigger, more dramatic, more powerful healing than anything at that time could have imagined. And Jesus is with us now, beckoning us to free ourselves from all that stinketh to roll away the stones, to come into new life healing and have divine love be our lifeblood. Being freed from the power of death is not an issue of going to heaven or not. Being freed from the power of death is to step into new life and being freed to love one another and serve one another. It's being freed to be witnesses to God's love and that life-giving power of God's love that goes beyond imagination. So what in our lives stinketh? What is dead? What stones need to be rolled away and opened up to Christ? For in Christ and with Christ there is new life. So praise God for the continuing lives of saints through time, the known ones, the unknown ones. Praise God for the cloak of their love that transcends suffering and death, that cloak of love that gives us consolation, inspiration, and hope. And praise God for new life, that eternal life of God's life-giving love. Amen.